Hello, everybody. Uh, it's Fred again from uh, GamingHistory101.com. And what you're about to hear is a kind of recycling of um, a previous show I used to do uh, when I was with Video Game Purists uh, called Nostalgia Nation. And uh, this particular episode was all about Resident Evil. Um, so, uh, so obviously you have to take everything with a, a grain of salt and realize that anything I refer to in this about uh, podcasts and websites and things like that uh, probably doesn't exist anymore. But the content itself, Resident Evil, still remains the same. So uh, I guess without further ado, enjoy this, and I'll see you guys next week for the 3DO podcast. Peace. Resident Evil. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Nostalgia Nation. The Retro Podcast, brought to you by the Video Game Purists at videogamepurists.com. Um, this is going to be episode three, and this is going to be a feature on the Resident Evil series, as well as wrapping up our uh, playthrough of uh, Killzone 1 on the PlayStation 2 near the end. But I will be honest, there's not really much to talk about, and anyone who's played it probably already knows that. Um, however... Um, I do want to point out that uh, a lot of people have said that I need a second host on the show or hostess, and I do agree with that. So I'm leaving it up to you all. Um, if anybody out there who listens would be interested in doing the show with me, um, I can get you show notes and give you about two weeks to prepare. Um, I'm looking for another host or hostess. So feel free to email me, Fred Rojas, a.k.a. Spiders Venom, at... Uh, podcast at videogamepurists.com. Okay, so back in 1996, the PlayStation 1 was a brand new console, and uh, we were all quite unsure of what Sony had in store for us. And I will be honest, I was still living my life, um, you know, looking forward to consoles like whatever Sega had to come up with next and whatever Nintendo was going to come up with next and we had seen all these interesting stories and the possibilities for the N64 and um, I think a lot of us didn't really want to give up on our Super Nintendo console or our Sega Genesis consoles yet I was still in the throes of my Sega CD which had been all but defunct at the time and I specifically remember walking into a Funko Land, and it was called Funko Land back then, and um, seeing a weird black and white movie um, that uh, basically looked like a B-horror film of a bunch of Marines running through a grassy field and getting chased by some monster, but you couldn't tell what it was. And I asked the guy on the screen what that was, and he's like, oh, you don't know? You know, because back then it was like the only way you could find out about anything was from a couple random video game magazines. And he was like, this game's called Resident Evil. This is the new PlayStation 1 game, and it's going to revolutionize everything. And while I will admit that uh, the game wasn't the end-all be-all, um, I do have to give him credit. Uh, that game ended up spawning an incredible series, which to this day, with the upcoming release of Resident Evil 5, is still running strong. Um, this podcast will basically focus around the main storyline, uh, Resident Evils, and there will be spoilers. So those of you who are still planning to run through these games may want to keep that in mind. Um <clears throat> The first Resident Evil um, introduced us to what many mechanics that we hold in high regard today, um, including uh, the term survival horror, which I don't know if Capcom was really the ones who 
came up with that name, but I do remember every time you loaded a game, it says you have once again entered the world of survival horror. And I do know that uh, after that, the name just kind of stuck for games of its type. But I think my biggest draw to the original Resident Evil was it was the most lifelike graphics I'd ever seen that had graphic violence in it. Um, couple that with a couple zombies right in the beginning. And the fact that you are virtually in probably the best version and one of the only versions of a true haunted house, this game was definitely the complete package. Um, you would follow the uh, route of, of a couple of agents who were looking up bizarre murder cases in the Alkali Mountains of, of a fictional town called Raccoon City. And they're basically chased down and hunted by a bunch of dogs. Now, it's important to note that while regionalization was, uh, was still prevalent back in these days, um, Resident Evil and um, Biohazard, as, is, as it was known in Japan, have very few differences um, back then and even today. Um, in fact, it's gotten to the point where I do believe Resident Evil 4 and Code Veronica had no differences uh, in both lands. But I will say that um, Resident Evil 1, uh, the opening cutscene doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. And uh, the real opening cutscene was actually in color and depicted a much more graphic death for uh, Joseph. Um, and uh, kind of painted the picture of what happened in that whole opening scenario quite well. Um, anybody who's interested in this, um, check through my uh, podcast or my uh, blog history in the archives of Video Game Purists, and you can find, um, I believe it was in November, but it might have been October, um, where I talk about regionalization, and I do have both videos uh, readily available there where you can compare the original opening cutscene, which is much more violent and in color, and then the U.S. version. But basically, you were thrown into this into this house, and uh, your job was to explore it, solve a lot of puzzles, and try not to get killed by the random creatures, including zombies, mutant dogs, large spiders, and various other creatures uh, that could be found within. Um, the The game was gorgeous for its time and had a hell of a lot of content while it does seem like resident evil one which can be very easily passed by today's gamers within four or five hours even if you've never played the game and uh, a lot of us pros can do it in about you know hour and a half to two hours um it uh it was it was definitely a lot of game to take in and i do think that uh the fact that it had fixed camera angles in every room, so you were given a forced perspective, and you, it was you know you could move around within it, but you know that was kind of part of the eeriness if the director or whoever was in charge of those camera angles decided that you want that they wanted you to see the room from above. Guess what? You were playing that room from above. If they wanted it in the upper right hand corner, it was in the upper right hand corner. And I think what this did was it saved space on the disc for these elements to be put in. But it also um, gave the game this out-of-your-control kind of feel to it. Um, another interesting fact about this was it introduced uh, the concept of kill boxes, or kill boxes, monster closets. Um, any person who has played Resident Evil 1 will remember walking down that first hallway as Jill, because most of the time people pick Jill first, 
and uh, having that first mutant dog jump through glass and literally being the first time ever in a video game where you jumped. And I recall playing this game um, in, uh, in, in a buddy's house because he had the only television before I had managed to purchase the uh, RF converter that had the RCA jacks. So I went and played in his living or in his uh, parents' bedroom, which was where that TV was. And I remember in the late afternoon with him just playing through this game and scaring the hell out of ourselves, especially when that dog jumps out. Um, but with it, the game had a, quite a few oh shit moments, um, up to and including the first time you see the mutant snake, um, the first time you see uh, you know the the tarantulas up on the ceilings, and definitely the first time you are brought face to face with a hunter, which were these large seven foot tall muscular lizard beasts that used to work the premises, and. Um, so the game had a lot of really tense moments while at the same time it would throw you into these puzzles where you had these very loose moments. And I still think to this day it's very impressive that upon solving the house, there's still a couple of doors that are still locked. You then go out to the guardhouse and do kind of a a greenhouse, well, a, a guardhouse basically, fighting a lot of plants. Then you end up in an underground facility where you will even take on mutant sharks. And then you end up back for your final pieces inside the mansion again and eventually finding your way into the backyard and into the lab facility where a lot of these experiments were taking place. Um, but along the journey, you really get this very cool narrative. And while the voice acting uh, talent was horrible to say the least, I will be putting in clips from the first game showing you just how horrible they were. Um, it is important to note that the uh, way the plot developed, you learned a lot. You would pick up diaries here or there that would tell you the story of the people who used to live in this facility. And a lot of the researchers who helped develop the virus that gets loose. And you really get this feeling that, you know, they knew something was wrong, but they're under this big corporate world. And it's very interesting that the corporation in and of itself is now the well-known through the movies and lore umbrella corporation and it really was an umbrella it kind of consumed their lives so much so they lived in the mansion that was on top of the lab they were experimenting in so um the the controls were okay at the time you they're very what we call tank controls um you move like you've got cement shoes running is far from versatile and aiming is just pits um, and you're not even really aiming. You're just looking in that direction and praying that your weapon works. But I think for the first time ever, you had a situation where you didn't have enough bullets to kill everybody. You had very little aiming dynamic. Um, the farther you were from your enemy, actually directly related to the amount of damage you dealt. Um, any person who took a shotgun to a zombie up close would always blow its head off. But if you were to do it from a distance, it could take three or four bullets. I also like the fact that the zombies would fall and then get back up. It was only until you killed them, they fell, and blood pools started floating around did you ever know they were truly dead. And certain characters like the hunters who could take your head off in one swipe and were regular enemies that replaced all the zombies when you returned to the uh, to the house, as well as the dogs who could gnaw at you and, and attack you. And it was just a real tense moment. And even some of the bosses, I mean, the snake you fight is easily like, you know, 20 feet long. And when you take on the shark, you're completely defenseless to fight it. It's just chasing after you while you run in water. 
And um, <clears throat> down to the final boss, the tyrant, who is this large hulk of a man that has a heart exposed and a big claw for an arm. And, and he was virtually unkillable. I mean, even in the very final moments when you do finally kill tyrant, it's really only because you are given a rocket launcher that you can launch into tyrant. And the funny thing, though, is at first you thought it was a running mechanic because there's a timer. But what it really is is you have to do so much damage to Tyrant that you tire him out and then you can shoot a rocket at him. Um, but the game was was very, you know, kind of revolutionary for its time. And it even spawned, you know, some offshoots and some re-releases. Um, but, uh, but I remember that first time through just knowing it was very, very intense. And uh, I really felt like I had walked away from a great haunted house at the end of that Um Later on, they would release the director's cut, which was supposed to um, recreate a lot of the scenes that were cut from the original that were in the Japanese, as well as add the full-color cutscene to the game. For one reason or another, the cutscene was never added in. However, um, it did give us the Japanese version, which, um, just like many games of the past was harder than the American version. It had less bullets, less drops, more dynamics, and more rooms and more little jumps. Um, I think the one of the, the first ones is when you enter a room full of crows and you find one of your uh, partners from the previous team. You, I believe your Bravo team. So you find them from the Alpha team. And I believe his name is Kenneth, but he's this blonde guy with a ponytail who's been pecked to death by the crows. And in the American version, you could go up to him and he'd give you like a clip or a weapon. But in the Japanese version, he would leap at you and then you would be forced to fight him in very close quarters. And it was just another jump that would just come out at you and and nothing was in the same place. It, it was called a range mode in America. Um, but it was very cool to see them give that to us because it was real fan service. And even later on, when the DualShock controller was released for the uh, PlayStation one again it was the first time vibration was in there and it integrated vibration into the game and that was an even stronger dynamic um another cool thing they did was for that version um you could you got a demo disc for resident evil 2 so this was one of the first times where they're already teasing us with demos and just like all demos it was very short and it really just kind of gave you a, a, a look of things to come but already they were starting to polish the polygons there was a lot more franticness to resident evil 2 and you were just knew something great was in store for it so um on another note, this was one of the... Uh, Resident Evil came out on, on quite a few systems. It did release on the PC. I hear there are versions with the colored cutscene. I have a version that does not have that for my PC. Um, but it had incredible graphics for the time. Uh, even today, I'm impressed when I replay it, how cleaned up it really is. Uh, there are also versions for the Sega Saturn. Um, the Sega Saturn version, again, another version that they claim has um has the uncut scene in it uh again i've only got my hands on one saturn copy and um from what i recall it did not have the uncut scene but anyway with the days of youtube there's very little reasons to to hunt it down um anybody who's really interested in finding the original and doesn't want to deal with the pc version which has a lot of issues on xp and i believe is unplayable on vista um I do encourage you to either track down a copy, which is going to cost you quite a bit on PlayStation 1, but obviously is playable on even the PlayStation 3 today. 
If you have a GameCube or a Wii, you can get the very beautiful remake, uh, which I'll discuss in a second, which integrated a lot more features. Um, and also, if you're not too picky and you don't mind a little uh, Japanese kanji, you can download Biohazard as well as Biohazard 2 and 3 on the Japanese PSN store. If you do a quick search on eBay, you can easily find a yen card that will be emailed to you within uh, 15 minutes. Um, but uh, but yes, yeah, so that was Resident Evil or Biohazard. And uh, later on in time, when uh, Resident Evil 4 was teased to be official on the GameCube, they decided to give us a little taste of what was to come with a gorgeous remake of Resident Evil on the GameCube which gave it some real shadowy effects. You had some lightning. The game had been cleaned up completely. It looks very on par with the Resident Evil 4 graphics um, of today. Um, the game integrated uh, a new version of the, of the mansion where uh, things would change a lot. Rooms wouldn't be where you remember them. They added rooms. They added bosses. They added dynamics. There's a cabin now out in the woods where some deformed creature is. You fight new types of creatures. There's all kinds of new changes, and it was very, very difficult. And not to say that the original Resident Evil wasn't that difficult, but even for people like myself who had played through the original four or five times, we could burn through it in like two hours by memory. Uh, This new one created a whole new... Uh, world for us on top of that there was some new dynamics uh zombies you had killed uh the game would remember where they were and when you come back you get this dilapidated version that's like a super zombie um there would be times where when zombies would jump you you could do se- several things to them you could have a knife in your pocket that you would stab into their throat or you would have like fireworks and any zombie you killed if you wanted them to remain permanently dead Uh, Once you left the room, you had to light them on fire. But there was a new mechanic with the uh, lighter, uh, a weapon that was always in in the game, but it was never used as a weapon, where you'd have a certain amount of fuel and your your job would be to light them on fire. But again, it was very strategic. There were more zombies, and you could only burn so many of them. So it got to this point where you were really, really trying to hunt things down. And uh, they even had a really tough mode, which I don't believe was in the arranged mode for even the director's cut, but I know was in the original Biohazard, which is when you put items in the boxes. There were several boxes and safe rooms throughout the game. Every item you put in one box would show up in any other box. Well, in Japan, they stayed in their individual boxes. So if you left it in the safe room that was, you know right downstairs from the main hallway where the snake is and all that other fun stuff, you would have to go back to that specific safe room to find the items that you kept in that box, which, while it was more realistic, added a lot more difficulty to it. And even that feature was removed from the U.S. um, GameCube version until you beat the game and then you could play what they called like Master Mode or whatever. Um, another interesting thing is that was the first time where they use CG cutscenes instead of the B acting movie cutscene, in which case we do actually get to see in gory detail what exactly happens to Joseph and some of the other stars members that were out in that field that faithful night. So, um, anybody who's got a Wii or a GameCube should definitely check out that remake. Um, probably the most definitive version you're going to find but for but then again i mean it might be like 10 bucks plus you need a wii or gamecube for a lot of the hardcore any ps3 owner can make a japanese account just did a blog posting today on how to do that and where to find it 
and then you can grab a quick card and for 600 yen which is about six bucks you too can have uh biohazard but it will be in japanese uh the cutscenes are in english but the game is in japanese we should start from the first floor okay and jill here's a lock pick it might be handy if you the master of unlocking take it with you uh, moving on we come to the point where Resident Evil 2 came out. Now, Resident Evil 2 and 3 were still PlayStation 1 games. I think it's important to note that the graphics don't change too much. The control dynamic really stays the same, too. You can't walk and shoot, although you never can, even now in Resident Evil 5. Um, but uh, but you did get some cool things to, to help you out. Uh, there's still no 180-degree button where you could flip around behind yourself. Um, but lots more weapons, very dynamic targeting system, um, and uh, this definitely upped the ante. Basically, what happens is once the issues in Raccoon City or in in the Arklay Mountains occurs and the bomb blows up the mansion, you come to find out that the virus has gotten out into the entire city. And so uh, you play as either Claire Redfield, um, sister of Chris Redfield, who was in the first game. Or Leon Kennedy, a cop coming in for his first day of work. And both of them are outside of Raccoon City and arrive and just find it in shambles. And because of various reasons, um, you know, that's in the opening cutscene, they both end up separated and abandoned. They, they see each other and then they fight off some zombies and then a crash occurs that puts them in the middle of the street with a bunch of zombies and they're ready to rock. Um, it, from the beginning, this game is very frantic, and many people will tell you, even in the demo, which is where they start you at the beginning of the game, um, people were dying right away. They were dying before they even had a chance to get anywhere. Um, but essentially, you would have to work your way through. You never had enough bullets to take out anywhere near the right number of zombies. So you just had to know how to kill one or two or down them and then just keep running. And there was a lot of frantic running in the beginning. But eventually, you find yourself in um in a gun shop you get some ammo and then you end up in raccoon city's police department where the stars members are as well as various other things and uh early on you start to realize that for all the flair and frantic nature and razzle dazzle it's basically resident evil one all over again your haunted house has been now replaced with the uh, raccoon city police department and then after that you break out and then you're guardhouse is now replaced with the office building um some interesting new things happen you get to meet this character named mr x who will make a drastic appearance later the boss is really up the ante um a lot of weird creatures you see uh you fight a gargantuan crocodile that can be as easy or hard as you want to make him um and uh you even have some missions where you have to help out sherry which is this little girl who is looking for her father, who is one of the doctors in the research facility that's in downtown Raccoon City. And um, you have moments where you play as her, and it's one of the first times where I've ever played a game where I'm completely defenseless. Rebecca in the first game, when you're playing as Chris, is pretty defenseless, but she's still got a pistol. She can still shoot things and run from them. Rebecca's completely exposed, and so you have to be very careful with Rebecca when you're or Rebecca, Sherry, when you're when you're running around with her. Um, but in the end, you end up in another underground facility. So again, very much like it. Um, you're doing a lot more puzzles. There's a lot more plot. Again, we get to watch this stuff unfold through diaries and various other things. And then um, 
you eventually end up at the end um, after learning about all these interesting things with the mayor having a helicopter crash through a building and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, <clears throat> and you end up you end up taking on um, Sherry's father. Um, I for, his name escapes me right now, but you get to play against the elusive Mister X and fight a very tough new version of the tyrant. Um, <clears throat> Resident Evil 2 is often thought of as the har- one of the hardest iterations, as well as being uh, one of the best. Um, I-, I know tons of people who loved Resident Evil 2, and I really think it touched a much more broad audience. Resident Evil 2 saw an iteration on so many consoles. You obviously could have it on the PC, which I do. You could have it on the PlayStation 1, another one I have. Um, I have Biohazard 2, actually, on my Japanese PSN account. Um, It came out on the Dreamcast, Sega's attempt. It came out on the N64, which was uh, Nintendo's, um, you know, still hanging in there console, which I was shocked to see it in a cartridge form um, with with no load times. And uh, it even saw a re-release on um, the GameCube. Uh, I, I every Resident Evil game for some reason got re-released on the GameCube. I'm not quite sure why. Um, maybe it had to deal with a Capcom deal, or they just wanted to build up to Resident Evil Four. But yeah, almost all, if not all, got released on GameCube. Um, and uh, and so a lot of audiences can find it. But it's also the most expensive. No matter what console you're trying to find it on, even on PC, it will be difficult to find and very expensive. I mean, running up. 20 to 50 bucks. So again, my advice, if you want to try that out and you don't mind a little kanji, especially if you are familiar with the game, um, definitely check it out on your Japanese PSN. Again, 600 yen, it's yours. Um, the end, other interesting dynamic with uh, Resident Evil 2 is that there are ways to change your outfits early on. You can chase a little zombie under a viaduct and, and be able to change your outfit Another one is uh, beating the game under certain circumstances got you a lot of interesting perks. One of them would be like a Gatling gun. Another one would be a revolver. Another one would be like a, a rocket launcher, all potentially with unlimited ammo. And then if you got an A rating, I believe, and beat the game in three hours, you unlocked Hunk, which was one of the assault squadron guys that were in the Umbrella facility that you see later on in the game. And if you played through the whole game as Hunk and beat it in A rating in like three hours, you unlock Tofu, which was a big piece of Tofu that would run around and you could fight You could fight as. And, um, I, I, you know, it was kind of like way before achievements, that was your rite of passage, was being able to load up your Resident Evil 2 game and play as Tofu. Everybody was like, oh my god, you're Tofu. So it was like a big deal. But um, then we move on uh, and quickly... The third game came out, Resident Evil Nemesis, uh, also known as Resident Evil 3. Um, This version was a very interesting new take on the series, and I do kind of like what they did with it. Even though people didn't really care for it, I thought it was great. Um, I think one thing that was immediately missing was that you play Jill from the first game, and um, she is... In civilian clothes, she's in this tight little mini skirt and this tank top with a hoodie or a sweater wrapped around her waist. And you get the idea she was escaping from Raccoon City right when all the debauchery from the second game hits. 
and she's on another part of town. Uh, you get the feeling it's slightly later than the whole Leon uh, Claire situation, um, but I can't be completely sure. Uh, my memory isn't too good, and I haven't gotten far enough in my in my like recent playthrough of Resident Evil Three that I'm building up to um, to recall. But I do know you end up in a lot of familiar places. You will find yourself in, you know, the police station, and it's after all the events that happen in two. And so you see some of the damage that's been done. Some of the places where the zombies break in back in Resident Evil Two. Um, you end up in a lot of other places as well, um, where you see some of the damage that was done in in, in RE Two. Um, but for the first time ever, you could not play as anybody other than uh, Jill Valentine. So. That was one thing immediately noticeable. Uh, people didn't like the dynamic that they couldn't pick between a guy or a girl, uh, an option they'd had up to this point. Another interesting thing was um, the whole concept of you get a bunch of bullets right at the beginning, but there are truly damn near infinite zombies, so you still had to be sparing with what you do. The other idea was that it was kind of sandboxy in that you could really go explore things in in various different orders, but there was still a linear progression that you were kind of forced into based off of like keys and open areas and stuff like that. But there would be circumstances where like you could first meet up with uh, his name is escaping me right now, but the um, the Latino boy who helps you through the rest of the game, you could meet up with him or in later Mikhail, Mikhail, um, first in the diner deal with Nemesis, and then you could go back to the gas station, for example. But the one big dynamic that was through this whole game was the idea of Nemesis, and Nemesis was this big freaking creature that had thumpy feet. He was massive. He was very clearly unkillable. He could run really fast, faster than you could. Um, so he catch up to you real quick. And um, he hunted down stars, so he was looking for you specifically. And on top of that, he had a rocket launcher on his back that he could use at any given time. So kind of like the you know the 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 ultimate creature to fight. And he would show up all the goddamn time to screw with you. And on top of that, you just had to deal with him. And you could waste as many bullets as you wanted to, but you would not kill him. You just had to get out of certain circumstances. There may be some circumstances where you had to hurt him a little bit, but you never came close to damaging him. He was in no way killable. Um, and there was an interesting dynamic where like, he would show up and you would be given a heartbeat. And you would be given two choices and you had to pick one or the other. And oftentimes both had consequences and sometimes one of those consequences was death. Um, another interesting thing with Nemesis was if you didn't pick quick enough, the game picked for you randomly, and then you had to deal with that circumstance. So um, Nemesis became either one of the cooler dynamics in the game or one of the bitchiest dynamics in the game, depending on how you played. Um, but again, I really think you got this very interesting story where there were ver there were very different ways to take out nemesis when you would fight him there were constantly situations where you're like do i run from him or do i fight him there were always times where you're walking down narrow hallways back to where you needed to be and nemesis would show up and i thought that was really good it was like the developer going oh, i'm not gonna make that easy for you so it really did kind of progress the series appropriately and i also like the fact that um 
there was still a lot of plot. You weren't collecting many books anymore and learning too much about things. Um, the puzzle solving became less and less a dynamic. It became a little more of an action game. But you really got to feel for you know the Hispanic guy who was helping you out and he was trying to figure out who of his team members was bad because there's always like a mole who's against you. You know, in the first one, it was Albert Wesker, spoilers. In the second one, it was the mayor, spoilers. And in the third one, I forget if it was Mikhail or somebody else, but there were a couple of European guys in this in the group that came to bail out you stars people, the Umbrella Mercenaries, and uh, one of those guys was a traitor. So you would fight your way through all this, and you would eventually end up in a facility, and I think there was like a nuke that was going to hit the Earth or hit Raccoon City. and Or maybe there wasn't going to be, and you end up setting it to come kill you. But one way or the other, after doing basically the same things, like a lot more running through the streets, but like the streets became your haunted house. Instead of, you know, going into the, the library and having to deal with people, you would enter into City Hall and then end up in a library to defend somebody. So it was still very much under the guise of Resident Evil. Still no movable camera, still tank controls, still force perspective. But things were just kind of, like I said, moving along. And um, eventually you end up fighting Nemesis for good. You got to kill him like two or three times, including a version where he becomes like a dog and really can get on your nerves. Um, I think another thing that was very cool about this version was that it introduced the 180 button where you could flip a 180 right behind yourself, which is very useful because you would get bombarded with zombies in front and behind you, which is like a no-brainer nowadays, but, um, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, back in the day, that was very difficult. Um, this also saw iterations on all those consoles I mentioned uh, for Resident Evil 2. So, again, very easy to find, about as rare as Resident Evil 2, but not as highly regarded. Um, also recently just came out on the Japanese PSN, so feel free to check it out. Um, and then we had the Dreamcast. For one reason or another, the Dreamcast was granted the next iteration of the Resident Evil series, which for better or for worse, tends to make people think that Resident Evil Code Veronica, or later known as Code Veronica X, was actually an offshoot, but it was not. It was basically Resident Evil 4. It was a full continuation, a full game, and continued the lore, complete with the character, Claire Redfield, and later making an appearance, Chris Redfield. And basically, Claire is, for one reason or another, captured, taken to an offshore island, and left there, basically, where it was like an army base that had gotten taken over by the T-Virus from all the other games. Uh, the interesting thing with the Dreamcast, uh, still kind of the old dynamic force perspective, um, single shots and everything, tank controls, but the graphics were updated drastically. And at the time, Dreamcast was rocking and rolling. A lot of people really expected it to be Sega's creme de la creme. You know, like it's it's return. It's it's you know, it's it's next version of the Sega Genesis, you know, and finally people loved it, had some great titles on it, and uh, Code Veronica was definitely part of that. Two-disc game, so two GD-ROMs, which was, I mean, made it quite a sizable game, and uh, lots and lots of plot. This was a very long game, not as long as Resident Evil 4, but definitely long, and um, it had 
various different things. You would be Claire, and and there was this little blonde kid that followed her around. Sometimes you'd be him. Sometimes you'd be her. You know, you'd fight through the army facility. Then you ended up in Antarctica, complete with a boss battle with a tyrant on a plane that was very difficult. Um, and then while in Antarctica, you would fight all kinds of various different creatures. And then um, eventually you would fall to what you thought was victim to death. And then Chris is in to save you. And then you would play through with Chris. And then when you guys were brought back, there would be some final sequences in an underground facility. Um, but again, it really was a lot of fan service. It was more of the same. It gave us another story in order to enjoy. It had completely abandoned the dynamic that you could pick a new character, which is all but defunct even now, like even in Resident Evil 5, you know, I mean, the only way you can play a Shiva is if you happen to play co-op and you're the second player. But, um, but yeah, so Code Veronica was very cool. Um, it had some great graphics, had some great dynamics, very long game, just gave us more of what we wanted. This was like the next great step for Resident Evil, but it really didn't innovate anything. And it really didn't change much. And it did really kind of fill in a lot of the gaps of the story about the Ashford family who kind of started this whole thing. But it was a lot of back plot. And you almost wonder if people who hadn't played the previous games even knew what the hell was going on or more importantly cared. Um, but very interesting game for, for everybody else. And it further develops uh, Albert Wesker's diaries. Um, and uh, it even came down to if you pre-ordered the uh, Resident Evil Code Veronica X for the PlayStation 2, which was where it was later released to gain more sales after the fail failure of the Dreamcast, um, you got a bonus DVD called Wesker's Diaries, which was like 10 minutes of kind of information on what Wesker's been doing in the background since his betrayal in the first game. Um, so, Code Veronica would, uh, Code Veronica X, um, probably played by very few people and uh, definitely really, in my opinion, seemed to up the ante. I think this was the first Resident Evil game in a long time where I had to walk away from it and come back to it later. First time with the Tyrant scene, second time with one of the tougher boss battles is Chris Redfield, um, especially because there's very little ammo drops. And so, um, really, that would be the last Resident Evil for a long time. There were plenty of spinoffs like Dead Aim and Outbreak, which had like an MMO mechanic, but I hear never really worked well, and I was not an online player at the time with my PlayStation 2, so I never got to experience those. Um, you saw some like horrible Game Boy, uh, Game Boy Color version in uh, Resident Evil Gaiden. Um, there was even like a, a light gun game, Dead Aim, and all kinds of fun stuff. But the next true version of of Resident Evil would come out um, on the GameCube, uh, along with the Code Veronica uh, re-release on the GameCube, which was Resident Evil Zero. And Resident Evil Zero was kind of interesting. It told the story of what happens with Rebecca, because in Resident Evil 1, there's Alpha Team and Bravo Team, and Rebecca was part of Alpha Team, and for one reason or another, when the attacks hit, she ends up in the mansion, only to be discovered by Chris later on. Well, we never really hear Rebecca's story, and it's never really explained to us, and for one reason or another, they decided to tell this story. The reason it's interesting is that Resident Evil Zero tells of Rebecca with this guy, Billy, who was uh, involved in um, some African stuff um, regarding the uh, 
the G virus elsewhere and how he was, you know, uh, thought to be indicted for murder based off of various different things, which you come to find out he's actually a good guy. But it really sets up this bad guy mechanic. And in the very beginning of the game, you're on a train. So it's kind of interesting because, yeah, there's open environments, but you're still very confined and there's very little places to go. So, um, and it's got that really nice, beautiful Resident Evil 1 remake polish to it. Um, And this was back when we were really hoping they would do this to Resident Evil 2 and 3. Like, if they had done this to Resident Evil 2, I guarantee it would be one of the best-selling Resident Evil games of all time, even though it was on the GameCube. Um, But uh, Resident Evil 0 told many stories of, like, leeches and, like, this new version of the virus that all started by control. And uh, you, it, it was very difficult. There was a, there was even some co-op mechanics. You would, you and Billy would get separated, and you would push a button to a heartbeat would go, and you would become Billy, and then you would become Rebecca, and you needed to use both of them at certain times to get in and around. And so it was very interesting at the time, and um, a mechanic that I'm definitely sure is why they're now interested in doing it for the fifth game, but. Um, but basically, you would fight through as per usual. You fought through the train station, and then after Iraq, you ended up in, ironically, an underground facility that was a mansion in a mansion. But I never was able to complete this game, so I never did get to find out if it's not just the same mansion. You're just in it before all hell breaks loose. But, um, but you end up fighting a lot of really crazy foes, and I got very far in the game, and I was very frustrated at the end when I wasn't able to beat this one mutant monster that uh, didn't seem like he was that hard of a boss, according to the walkthroughs I'd read. But uh, you fight mutant bats, uh, you get a lot of um, there's a there's a lot of um, uh, you know f- hunting down bullets and different strengths of Billy and different strengths of Rebecca and. Uh, I thought it was very interesting how um, you couldn't carry everything at once, and you didn't have boxes this time around, so you literally had to drop them in rooms. You would have to drop things literally out of nowhere and abandon them, and when you came back, they'd be there, but you had to remember to go back for them, and you could only carry very few items at once. So, I mean, the name of that game was definitely limited. Um, you got a lot more lore on you know, the Ashford estate and all the different things that happened leading up to Resident Evil 1 and it was actually very cool and so to this day I'm a little upset I never got to complete that game based purely on skill yeah I had to keep coming back to this boss it was near the end it was this lizard guy by a waterfall and I never could beat him and I almost think now I should just go YouTube the final cutscenes um I really don't like Resident Evil 0 and it, it may very well have to do with how hard the game is but for one reason or another, I don't feel like I missed out on anything uh, other than maybe a little plot, and um, I was really kind of unimpressed with it, but that didn't mean I didn't buy it day one, and when I got my Wii and decided to re-examine some of my GameCube games, didn't rebuy it and replay it and go, oh yeah, that is why I hate this game. Um, again, still interestingly enough though, even with the co-op mechanic, it's still forced perspective, forced camera angles still tank controls so i mean the the series really didn't move forward very much that is until finally on the gamecube we see the release of resident evil 4 and this revolutionized the series very hardcore 
for starters, it was easily the most gorgeous game of the uh, console of the last gen console iterations, in my opinion. It looked better than any PlayStation 2 game. It looked better than any Xbox game, and that wasn't hard to that wasn't easy to do. And maybe there were some late on Xbox games that came close, like Riddick or Black. But I mean, for the most part, it was just gorgeous. And it was a new Resident Evil game. You got to play as Leon. You were in Spain. They weren't zombies anymore. This was this new version of like creature called like the Delgados or the Ganados, I think it was. And um, you were behind Leon. So now we don't get fixed camera angles. Now we're actually in the action running with him. But it was still forced perspective behind him. And even today, people have a big problem playing this game because you can't rotate the camera, something we're so used to with dual analogs. Um, it's just up, down, left, right is how you move. But at the same time, back then when dual analogs were basically unheard of, and especially on the GameCube, you never used them. And even on the PS2 version, you know, Red Faction was one of, and, and Killzone were one of the few dual analog games. I mean, it was really good for me. It was like, thank God I can play a shooter, you know, without having to get used to dual analogs because I didn't have an Xbox, so I wasn't good at dual analogs. I did not experience Halo. So um, this game was just, I mean, gorgeous, and there was a lot of really interesting new um, ways to interact with your environment, and it was very open-world-ish, even though, again, there was still a linear, forced path you had to go on. Um, lots of running. You couldn't kill anywhere near enough people, but you could, like, go into houses and put, like, bookshelves up, and they would slowly break down the bookshelves and break down the doors. You could leap out of windows, even second-story windows, to get away from people who were coming in on you. And Mr. Chainsaw Guy that everybody hates so much in the Resident Evil 5 demo made his first appearance in the very opening market area of uh, Resident Evil 4. And back then we learned very quickly that he can saw you right the hell in half. But um, you also started collecting uh, points or coins. And there were merchants where you could buy certain things, special weapons along the way, and power-ups. Um the game was extremely long, having like four actual sections. The first one being the Ganado Village and like outliers. Then there was um, there was like an open mansion kind of area. Then you eventually moved into like a medieval castle. And then finally a large research facility at the end. Um, and the game was long, like I, I believe 20 hours long. I think each portion was easily five hours and some crazy great boss battles that even now I'm like, God, how the hell did I beat some of those guys? Um, from the big troll in the beginning to like the guy who has the uh, bulletproof wings, lots of really great bosses and just a really visceral, fun experience. Um, I think the only complaint people had was that it was very long. But for me, I mean, why not get the most game for your buck, you know? And especially after playing Metal Gear Solid 3, I mean, it was right around the same kind of game. Um, so, very cool game, but you still were not able to move and shoot. But uh, at this point, you were able to really feel like you were moving around. You didn't feel sluggish. Leon felt very loose in your hands and very capable and agile. And when you would aim, you had a laser sight, so you would actually, you wouldn't aim in their general direction. You would aim at their head or their shoulder or their hands, and they would actually take damage based off of where you shot them, much like Resident Evil 5. But man, back in 2004, that was like, whoa, like we hadn't seen something like that before. Um, and, uh, and the GameCube version was just really cool. And then 
just to top it all off, they released a looking generally just as good um, PlayStation 2 iteration that had a lot of uh, extra add-ins, including some Ada Wong uh, levels where you got to play as Leon's uh, long-term love interest from Resident Evil 2 um, and Mysterious Girl, who I think even today keeps having to make appearances. Um, but uh, but Resident Evil 4 definitely upped the ante. And, uh, I mean, I think a lot of people thought it was the greatest game in a long time. It was definitely the best game of last console iteration for me. But at the same time, I do acknowledge how, like most heavy Japanese game designs, like Metal Gear Solid 3 and even Metal Gear Solid 4 now, it is a very Japanese game. And it is only intended for a very niche audience. So I wouldn't be surprised if anybody told me they didn't really care for Resident Evil 4. Um, But in the end, it just rounded out what is um, basically the first six great games in a great series. And um, I can honestly say that even though co-op seems very difficult, and I'm not quite sure how I feel about that mechanic, I am very eager to try out Resident Evil 5. Um, Although, because of the apparent lack of voice chat, um, the party system does allow me to do it on my 360 and talk to my partner. So I really think I'm going to jump at this on 360. But I do encourage anybody who is a longtime fan of this series to try out that demo and uh, don't let it discourage you too much. I have been told that uh, that demo is just a sliver of what goes on and doesn't even remotely integrate some of the puzzle solving and more co-op portions of that game. Um, just remember it's a Resident Evil game, so it will not be easy. It will be difficult. Um, but luckily the uh, the camera can slightly move and um, and now instead of dealing with uh, ink ribbons the way you save in every other game, there are checkpoints. So hopefully it will be a little bit better. There must be a back door somewhere. Let's try to find it first, shall we? Okay. Let's separate again. Just a moment. I found something. What is it? It's a weapon. It's really powerful, especially against living things. Better take it with you. But how about you, Barry? I have this. Thank you. I'll take this then. <laughs> <laughs> 